I think one of my greatest pleasures in life is to drive through a town on a major holiday and seemingly have the town to myself. Everybody's inside with their families, enjoying the company of their loved ones. But just imagine if you went through a town and it's empty, not out of joy and camaraderie, but instead fear of a loose serial killer who may never be caught. Y'all listening to Old Timey Crimey, crimes from the golden age of yesteryear. Now, here's your hosts, Christy and Scott. Christy, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I've been such a dick to you. I... You have not. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was making fun of the fact that you're infested with viral diseases. <laughs> yes, I am. Infested is the way to go, yes. Yes, I have, uh, the day after we recorded last week, my on my birthday... Right about noon or so, I started just coughing horribly. And then I discovered that the human body is capable of producing just truly unbelievable, epic amounts of snot and phlegm. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that was a fun way to spend my birthday. So instead of we plan to go out, you know, like have dinner and then go see friends and, you know, at the bar and whatnot and, you know, just have a great time. And instead, I sat on the couch with takeout chili and uh, started uh, binge watching The West Wing. Oh man! So um, well, that was uh, that was uh, my my birthday. I still had a good birthday. Yeah, you know, I yeah. still got you know great presents, lots of nice birthday greetings and everything. So that was, it was very very nice still. And I, you know, had some me time. I started a new cross stitch because I'm a dork. Um, and then completely messed it up and had to undo it all the next day. <laughs> so. I'm so sorry. It's all right. You learn. You, you you learn from these things. But but yeah, so that's why I sound the way that I sound. And like my ears feel like they need to pop. We're going to have to take several coughing breaks for me. That's okay. Um, but it's still going to be a fun, not a fun episode. Well, it, we're going to try and make it fun. And it's not going to be as much of a downer as last week's was because we got through most of the rough stuff. Christy and I are sick bastards that enjoy the death and murder of, of, of innocent people. Innocent people who are just trying to have a little fun on Lover's Lane, mm-hmm. you know? Absolutely. And yeah, we, we, we enjoy that. No, we do not, actually. It was it was very draining last it, week. It really was. It really was. I'm sure everybody that was listening uh, went, Scott was about ready to cry at one point. Yeah, Scott was about ready to cry at one point. I'm trying not to think about that right now. Yeah. <laughs> but it's, uh, I, I've often wondered if if evolution, I'm not saying evolution isn't true, but I think if it was smart on a microbial level, mm-hmm. that whenever you'd get the flu, you'd feel pretty good. <laughs> because you wouldn't try to get rid of it if you were feeling great. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't you wouldn't take all these steps like, you know, better drink more fluids and better get some rest and all that stuff. You you know, suck on a coldies, which those things, I'm sure they do well, but my thing about coldies is by the time you finally, you know, the lozenges that are supposed yeah. to shorten your cold, by the time you finally get the taste out of your mouth, it's time to take another one. That's basically how it goes. Like, it just coats your mouth with this just, like, I, I now associate it with being sick, this M- taste. My favorite, my favorite cold medicine was always Buckley's cough syrup. I have never heard of that, but I might need to get me some. Oh, Can I? Is it does it still exist? I think it still exists. But it is honestly it's it's like snake oil, but it works. Huh. So this Buckley's cough syrup <clears throat> I want you to imagine drinking a rubber tire soaked in oil. Oh, that sounds delightful. It's disgusting. 
Now, mix a little eucalyptus in there so that you really get the rubber tire vapor up in your nose. That's what Buckley's tastes like. Oh, wow. It is horrible, but it knocks stuff out of you like you wouldn't believe because I think you've just made it inhospitable for <laughs> anything to live inside of you. And like this Buckley's, it's, it's vaporous. It's got this rubbery tinge to it. It is... It feels like slime going down your throat. Oh, but how m- nice! <laughs> man, does it work? Well, I might have to. I'm, I'm getting desperate at this point. We're we're going on a week now, and I have moments where I think I'm feeling good. Like on on Tuesday, I was I was getting ready for class, and I had conferences with my students all afternoon, and I was like, oh yeah, I'm feeling great. I'm not feeling like I'm gonna you know turn into typhoid Mary and spread mm-hmm. this all around campus. I get up to campus. I'm in my office, and it's just. It, it was just snot and coughing. I, I'm sorry to keep on bringing up snot, but it's basically what my life revolves around at this point. Last week, we talked about a woman trying to pay for a drive with her own body parts. I think I think our listeners can handle a little snot. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. Yes, yes. I think they can handle it. I have faith in them. Yes. Snot, snot, snot. And yeah, trigger warning. All of, all of them. Yeah, just just every trigger warning you could imagine. So so yeah, uh, it was it was three hours of conferences with students where I'm sitting there like holding a Kleenex to my nose and like I forgot my freaking cough drops. Oh, oh my god, yeah, it was just it was yeah. And then as soon as I was finished, as soon as I walked, because I, I I get my allergy shots on Tuesdays, mm-hmm. I was like, there's no way I can I got to go home. And I, as soon as I like finished and walked out of my office, I was like, oh. So I think it was just like the intensity of it, not just talking to the students for three hours, but also like I was going over their outlines with them. And so I have to put a lot of intellectual, you know, energy into that. And I think that really just like blew me out of the water. It, it took like any defenses that my body was using to fight this were like, nope, we're done. You're, mm-hmm. you're, you're trying too hard. So, so yeah, it was, uh, it was a rough day on Tuesday. I'm so sorry. It's okay. It happens. I've been, I haven't been sick in a year and a half. Um, last time actually was Thanksgiving of year before last. So that sucked. Um, but so yeah, it was, it was about time. I was, I was constantly grateful. Like all semester when my students would get sick, I was like, you know, it's like, I must have a really strong immune system, but it was, it was my time sooner or later. I spend so much time around basically college students live in a Petri dish, right, you know? Right. So, so yeah, so that's, it is what it is, but, uh. Yeah, we're doing, we're both, we're both doing good. Yeah, you know, yeah. absolutely, we're, absolutely. So yeah, um, we're going to talk about some of the uh, other events in the Texarkana uh, case yeah. this week. Yeah, it, it's, it's kind of weird to see how Texarkana kind of took this from fear to actually kind of making it work for themselves. Yeah, almost like it, it became like a central attraction yeah. in the town and, and sort of a almost a almost a thing to sort of grimly celebrate, I would say. In I would say yeah, there was a definite celebration. Yeah, they they embraced it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Eventually, uh, you know, eventually. After, after the fear had had passed yeah. years later. It took it took, you know, like what 30 years for the movie to be made and I think that right. was the spark that lit the once 30 years have passed, it's sort of a more of a dim memory for all but the, the victims and those close to them. Right. The town that dreaded sundown. Uh, and I, I think it was actually kind of a beautiful thing. It was probably cathartic for, for the city. Uh, Charles Pierce was the director of the town that dreaded sundown. Actually, for the time, pretty good effort by Charles Pierce. He was a, a B-movie director. It's the second most famous film he ever did. Mm-hmm. The first most famous film is this beautiful film, one of my personal favorites. 
I don't think we talked about it last week. I think you might have briefly mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, The Legend of Boggy Creek. Yes, that's right. Yeah, The Legend of Boggy Creek, which is about this Bigfoot that kind of lives in the Sulphur River bottom that people actually still see to this day. Wow. They still see this Bigfoot there. Um, this massive three-toed creature it leaves <laughs> three-toed footprints. And that is the most famous film to come out of Texarkana, The Legend of Boggy Creek. With the town that dreaded sundown being the second most mm-hmm. famous film, if you uh, if you watch like Finding Bigfoot or anything like that, a lot of the people that are Bigfoot hunters now say that the film that really got them into hunting Bigfoot was The Legend of Boggy Creek, hmm. and it is an absolutely fantastic film. You have to be in just the right mood to watch it, but it's great. It's great. The town that dreaded sundown has that same feel mm-hmm. where it's like it's kind of a documentary but at the same time there are actors there are certain people that I believe played themselves yeah and they did have they had townspeople as as extras right at, at the very least and uh, I mean they changed the names of, of victims and everything and of the law enforcement so you know I think it was Gonzalez became Morales or something like that I believe I just, so. I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm right there and so you know all the names were changed and and a lot of things were true to the actual events, but some things definitely were different. Yeah, the saxophone becomes a trombone. And becomes a weapon yeah. and in a very weird scene yeah, <laughs> that the, won't ever leave my brain. <laughs> the, the scene is Betty Jo, uh, in reality, a 15-year-old uh, girl. Mm-hmm. In this one, around about 34, 35. <laughs> I would say yes. Chained to a tree, and the, the Moonlight Murderer, the Phantom Killer somehow attaches a knife to the slide of the trombone and just just stabs her in the back of the head. Yeah. And it's just, you're sitting there going like, well, that's an unusual thing to wield. Yeah, that's, 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 um, resourceful. It's like if MacGyver was a murderer. Yeah. And just made stuff, instead of making weapons to get out of situations, just went, "Eh, let's try this. (laughs) That's really what it felt like. My talent should definitely be put towards serial killing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, if MacGyver had that mindset. I feel that if this becomes a popular podcast, that phrase is going to be taken out of context. So <laughs> my, my talents really should be put towards serial killing. I'm really glad that was said in my voice. <laughs> uh, really super, super happy about that. I hope you like losing your job. <laughs> <laughs> be just like blasting it throughout like the hall at school. Yeah. Students will come into the class on the first day and just, like, play it on their phone. Yeah. Or buy the t-shirt on Zazzle. Yes. <laughs> just all of them show up en masse with the t-shirt that says that. Has my face emblazoned on it. Good times. Good times. So, we had some suspects. Oh, yes. Some interesting suspects in this case. Uh, the the one that seemed the most likely uh, was a, na- a man named U.L. Swinney. Yule. Yule? Yule? It's, I... Yeah, it's 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 hard to... I, I guess, it, especially in a Texan accent, it's probably Yule. Yule. Because you, 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 you kind of cut that E out. Yeah, yeah. He's... If I have to peg someone as the criminal, I really think it's him. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely... He, he feels right for it, and there's so many different things that point to it. They just never were never able to really get him for it. They were never able to really make the evidence all... Work in a way that would work in a court of law, yeah. essentially. And and there was this kind of thing that, that a few of the detectives would notice. That every night one of the murders would happen, 
a couple of days later, they'd find an abandoned car. Yeah, yeah. And Yule, what was he? What was he famous for? Stealing cars. Mm-hmm. That was that was his thing. He, and honestly, yeah. it makes a lot of sense. If you're going to kill somebody, why not steal a car so it doesn't come back to you? Yeah, there was a a car reported stolen the very night of the Griffin Moore murders. Uh, I'm trying to go back in my memory and remember who's who as far as victims are concerned. Um, that was the, I believe, yeah, that was the second, that was the March 24th, Richard Griffin and Polly Ann Moore. And yeah, uh, he, uh, his own wife, uh, pegged him for it. Uh, she, you know, basically said, um, and he, he, he even kind of said, uh, when, when he was caught. Yeah, he goes, he, he goes, mister, don't play games with me. You want me for more than stealing cars. Yeah. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and the then hell? then when he's in the police car after he'd been apprehended, uh, he says uh, to the policeman Tillman Johnson, he says, "Mr. Johnson, what do you think they'll do to me for this? Will they give me the chair?" And Johnson's like, "You won't get much, maybe five, ten years. They don't give you the electric chairs for electric chair for stealing cars." And again, he says, "Mr. Johnson, you got me for more than stealing cars." Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Shut it is nice when they do the work for yeah. you. Shut your fucking mouth. <laughs> Like, not even at the station being interrogated. Yeah. Being caught and then in the car. This guy just, he, he, and granted, lots of people came forward and said, oh, I'm the guy. But this guy, he, he, there's more to connect him to it with the car theft and and everything and his own wife. Yeah. Peggy. Mm -hmm. Peggy Swinney. The hilariously named. Yule and Peggy. Yule and Peggy. Yule and Peggy. Uh, She, it was, it was a thing where she kind of goes, yeah, I think he did it, but they went, you're married, you can't testify against him. Exactly, yeah. Which I think is, I don't know if that's still a law, I think it's pretty it's still, fucking it's ridiculous. It's still a law, I think they can't be compelled, okay, I'm no lawyer, I want to state that right out right, and I could be wrong, and if there's any lawyers or people even knowledgeable in the law listening to this, and I'm wrong, they're probably going to want to slap me, but that's fine. Well, I think it all depends on the state, too. No, I think it's a, I think federal? it's, I think it might be federal, I, again, I could be wrong, but there is this, you can't be compelled to testify, but if she chose to testify, I think that might be a different story. Well, it was, but the, I could again. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, kind of the first thing that comes out was a lawyer. Uh, he tells Peggy, "Your husband's being held for murder." Peggy's first words are like, Mur- "Not murder?" or "What do you mean?" It's how did they find out? Yeah, yeah, which seems a little telling. Just, yeah, just a little bit. And she did reveal um, a lot of information to the cops, some stuff that they knew, uh, some stuff that they didn't. And uh, he also, uh, Yul Swinney, he had uh, a murder weapon exactly like the one used in all but the uh, the final murder. He had a 32 Colt automatic, but supposedly had sold it, or not sold it at a craps game, probably lost it at a yeah. craps game, I'm assuming. I, I imagine what it was is like, he's losing money. And he sells it. I'll give you $150 for your gun and you can keep playing. Okay, yeah, probably something like that. Yeah. yeah. But there were so many little pieces of evidence. Um, in uh, in his room, they found a khaki work shirt uh, with... They were they had to use a black light to see this. I didn't even know they used black lights for this in nineteen forty six. This was a this was a new one to me. I didn't mm-hmm. even realize companies did this that they they marked uh, they marked their clothing with a black light. Um, with like black light sensitive leather, yeah, yeah, right. So this thing 
has the word Stark on it, which is the name of one of his victims. Yes, Virgil Stark. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then also, again, connecting him to Stark, in that same shirt, they found slag, uh, which they also found samples in Virgil Stark's welding shop that matched it. That ties him to the scene. We're not talking about the Dinobot slag either. We're talking about the actual physical substance. I would like our listeners to know that I have no idea what the hell he's talking about. He's a triceratops. He's... I kind of actually think I do remember Dinobots a little bit. Is this like a late 80s, early 90s thing? Oh, yeah, yeah I think I remember Slag, this. Slag is a triceratops that's a flamethrower. He has a flamethrower in his mouth, and he's able to melt other robots down into Slag. Ah, but this does sound very late 80s, yeah, early 90s. But unfortunately, they don't call him Slag anymore. Mm-hmm. Because the term Slag means a woman of loose morals in yeah. England. Uh, the same thing happened with a another Transformer called Spastic. Ah. Uh. Because Spastic is like using the R word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In, in England, Spastic, you, you would be better off running into a Sunday school and yelling motherfucker than calling a, a bunch of kids a little, uh, like a bunch of spazzes. And it's, it's, it's getting to be the same in America too. That association yeah. is, is, is getting to be, uh, more tied directly. Yeah, spastic paralysis. Yeah. 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 So, um. So yeah, there's definitely some some connections here uh, that are hard to hard to escape. But they they basically the, the cops were like, eh, Peggy's lying, and then yeah. they they somehow found out. And I don't understand how they would have found this out. This this escapes me. There were there were no extra details on it, but they um, this discovered that the night of the murder of Booker and Martin, Peggy and Yule were sleeping in their car. Uh, they were somewhere near San, San Antonio. San Antonio, wow. Um, sleeping under a bridge in their car. How do you know that? How do you track that exactly? Like, who witnesses that in San Antonio and comes up and says, no, no, I, I definitely saw them sleeping under the bridge. Who, where do you get the information yeah. that, that exonerates her, him there? Yeah, it's, it would be more common in a modern area, era I know for a fact that there have been times, like, on nights of bad weather, and I see a car under the bridge, mm-hmm. that I've called 911. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and said, and Especially hey. these days when you have people, like, ODing in their cars yeah. and everything. It's it's really sad. Yeah. So, I know that I've dialed 911 and just saying, hey, this is probably nothing, but I want you to be made aware of this. There is a car stopped on the highway underneath the bridge. I don't know if they're broke down. I can see people in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you might, if there's a police officer near, you might want to ch- have somebody check up. Yeah, it could be somebody in trouble. could be some nefarious activity going right. on. You don't know. So may as well, you know, like have somebody look into it. Exactly. Yeah. But in 47? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Very, very strange little uh, thing. That's that's basically, I think, all I have on Yule Swinney. Well, there, Do you have any more? There was, there was this one little thing where... Uh, Peggy ends up taking the officers near the spot where Paul Martin's car was found, one of the victims. And she said she went into the woods, and sure enough, the police officers find women's heel print in the woods. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So there was a lot of stuff in there. It's, and I, I will say this too, in a rare case of common sense, whenever, uh, he was being accused of murder, Yul keeps his fucking mouth shut. Finally. Finally. (laughs) Instead of going like, I didn't kill nobody, he just goes... Yeah. (laughs) So anybody see that game the other night? 
That was a good baseball game. Seen any good movies lately? Yeah, yeah I saw The Town of the Dreaded Sun. Now. What the hell? That won't even be out for another 30 years. Well, the, neither would he. Yeah. Uh, and it's obviously not burlap. It's a silk bag. Burlap makes my ears itch. Oops, I said it again. <laughs> Whoopsie. I pulled a Swinney. Uh, I pulled a Swinney. So, actually, I do. I, I lied. I do have uh, a little bit more that... Uh, Peggy did that even if if they had said you know like if you even if she could by law decide to testify against her husband she actually repudiated it later on and he he was he was still um in and out of prison he just kept on you know screwing up and and breaking the law probably stealing cars for the most part uh until 1973 and then uh he died in 94 uh, and and basically like never Aside from all the other times that he implicated himself in something, at least, he never, you know, attached himself to the murders. Yeah, it, it's a thing, too. There were a lot of little complications mm -hmm. that that kind of made Swinney unlikely to be the, uh, to be the killer. Um, he never made a confession. Not that that really means anything. Um, but a lot of the officers uh, didn't think he did it. None of the fingerprints, and they do have latent fingerprints, partial fingerprints of the Phantom. Mm -hmm. None of the fingerprints ever match any found at the scene. Although, let's face it, people touch everything. Yeah. So, just because it doesn't match didn't mean that, that he wasn't. It just means somebody else touched it. The one that I find the most fascinating, though, around, around the year 2000 a woman started calling up the families of some of the victims and just, like, apologizing for what her father did to them. But he never had a daughter. Never had that, a daughter. That is known. Yeah. You know, it's... You can, you can usually, aside from, you know, like, closed adoptions, you can usually tie a child to a mother. But, you know, plenty of, of, of guys have, you know, kids that they don't even know about or they don't know, you know, like the, the kid doesn't know that that's their father until later in life. So, And, and on top of that, <clears throat> I imagine that if you grew up in a kind of a fucked up home, yeah, that somebody might go, somebody might go, you know, well, where's daddy? Your daddy's a murderer. You know, <laughs> your daddy's the Texarkana Phantom. Or even just, your, you know, your daddy's a bad man. And then when they get to be like older, it's like, you know, okay, so why? Why is he a bad mm -hmm. man? And then explaining and then putting that on a kid. Like, that that's a lot to handle. So I can imagine that there, there would be some sort of residual guilt, even though they had nothing to do with it. If that's the case, you know, yeah. it, it, it also could be just some... You know, people seem to get attached to this case, and I think they do it in in some other cases as well, where they they want some. They say it's it's weird and it's dark, but they want some connection to it. One of my big fascinations is the paranormal, mm -hmm. and that happens in cases with the paranormal as well. Whenever there's big cases, people will try to interject themselves into that. Yeah. Sometimes they'll do it in a very common sense way. Um, where they'll start to investigate it. Uh, there is an amazing man who lives near us named Stan Gordon, who has has become as important to the Kecksburg UFO case oh. as the crash itself. And he is investigating tons and tons of cases. I've met him twice now. Heck of a nice guy. You know, Mr. Gordon, please call me Stan. You know, and it's just he's a great guy. Mm -hmm. And then there are people that feel they have to interject themselves into everything. Mm -hmm. 
by saying, no, I was part of this. No, I was in the military and the government tasked me with leaking all the Roswell UFO technologies to companies and stuff. And while I'm not saying that didn't actually happen, at the same time, there's, there's so many conflicting stories going on with these paranormal cases mm -hmm. that somebody has to be lying. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's, uh, it's similar to your, your, actually your story of Kecksburg of, of, that we, you told a couple of episodes back in uh, you know, being in the bar yeah. and just saying, so who was there that night? And everybody was there that exactly. night, of course, you know, exactly. it may, may have been five people that were actually there. And then by the time years have passed, it's, you know, 35 people were there or 105 people. The whole damn town was yeah. there. Yeah. And also you have it when the police put out some sort of a reward or even just a tip line. And we'll get into this later when we talk about the town reaction. But you have people calling in with all this either, you know, stuff that's motivated by fear or stuff that's just motivated by a need to be part of things. You know, you see, we're, we're humans. We're, we're drawn to drama, you know? That, that's why we love, you know, the, the entertainment that we love is so is so chock full of drama. We, we're not sitting there watching TV shows of people just swinging back and forth on a goddamn porch swing, you know? We're watching TV shows of people, you know, killing each other, people hurting each other, be it emotionally or psychologically or physically. And, you know, that is, we, 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 we are... Not everybody is, but a lot of people are. And some of these people, you know, that might be their motivation, you know, like, well, I want to be part of this. Or they want to get their name out there and be famous. There's there's a lot of different possible reasons. We're, we're, we're all just, we're just a bonkers race. Not yeah. race, species. Absolutely. <laughs> we're, just a, we're just a bonkers we're species. We're a souped up monkey. That's yes. what we are. Yes, we're we a are. monkey with a V8 engine. And those monkeys love the drama. Yes. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, there are other suspects, though. Mm-hmm. With... Apparently, if you don't have a goofy name pre-1950, you give yourself one. Yeah. Um, H.B. Tennyson. Henry Booker Tennyson. Nothing wrong with the name Henry Booker Tennyson. Nothing wrong at all. No, yeah. no. Perfectly respectable name. And exactly. Booker's a little bit weird, but it's not super unusual, mm -mm. you know? Gives himself the nickname Duty. Did he give it to himself? I, you know what? He at least kept it. Yeah, at the very least. <laughs> yeah, at yeah. the very least he kept it. 18-year-old freshman, Henry Booker Duty Tennyson. Duty. University of Arkansas. He was found dead in his bed at home in, in uh, Fayetteville, Arkansas. And this was two years after the murders. This was in 1948. Yeah, yeah. Um, so... He he had killed himself. He had taken uh, cyanide, which honestly, if you're gonna kill yourself, cyanide's a pretty nasty way to go. Yeah, let's. It's not that quick. And by the way, if you ever find yourself uh, poisoned by cyanide, your chances are very slim, very very slim. But start eating all the sugar you can. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> trust me. So if on the off chance that cyanide, no, start pounding the sugar. Um, it's probably your best shot if they can't get you to the hospital in time. Um, they found a note. Yeah. They found a note hidden inside of a fountain pen. Boy, he didn't make this suicide note easy to find. The opening to my box will be found in the following lines. In a tube of paper is found, rolls on collars, and it is dry and sound. The head removes, the tail will turn... And inside is the sheet you yearn. Two bees mean a lot when they're together. These clothes should lead you to it. And the police go, I'm fucking figuring this out and break it open. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, they 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 were they were just not they were not fucking around. Yeah. So yeah, they, they open it up. 
they found, um, interestingly, a Viewmaster. You remember the... I fucking love Viewmasters. Yeah, those are great. Yeah, the, for any of our listeners who, who don't know, it's it's, it's little, like, uh, toy binocular type it's thing that you put up to your eyes. a stereoscope. Yeah, yeah. It's a stereoscope. Put up to your eyes, and you can flip through vim- images, and it's like you're looking, like, right at them. They're very close to right. you, so... Three, it's three-dimensional. Yeah. It's essentially early, early, early VR technology. Yes, yes. You have one picture going into your right eye, another picture going into your left. They're slightly different. It's VR without the interaction. Exactly, exactly. And I had a Viewmaster as a kid. I didn't Same. have I didn't have the soft one. Remember they made orange ones and they were very soft. No, mine was hard and angular. Was it red? It was a red view. I think master. I had that same exact yeah. one. And the later or a ones, later version. Mine I think had more rounded corners. See, later ones, later ones were like more of a tomato color. This was blood red that I had. And I had tons of uh tons of dinosaurs and Star Wars. Those were my things. So I'm bringing up images of Viewmasters. Ah, yes. Yeah. See, that is the one you had. There's one. Ah, that had to hurt your eyes. Wow. Oh, it's great. It's like very sharp and angular. Like if your brother came by and like popped you in the face with it, you had like two black eyes. Oh, Just looked like a raccoon for the next two weeks. (laughs) My brothers were assholes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, I'm sensing that, yes. So yeah, they had, and then uh, several rolls of film of Mexico, which is interesting, and a bunch of papers. Underneath the papers um, was a note confessing to the phantom killings of Texarkana. Yes. This is my last word to you fine people, and you are fine. Oh, smooth to the end. Yeah, right? Hey, <laughs> what you doing later, shaky tits? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I've almost killed Chrissy. <laughs> That was that was excellent. Thank you, thank you. Even though it's in somebody's suicide note, so it's kind of uh... the word the word shaky tits is not in the suicide note. Yeah, I've added that. That's what I would have written. Um, I want to thank you for all the trouble that you have gone to to send me to college and to bring me up, and you have really been wonderful. My thanks to Ella Lee, who was Mrs. McGee, the owner of the house he was rooming in. For letting me stay with her during my college career, and to Belva Joe, that's uh, Mrs. McGee's twelve-year-old daughter, for putting me up the way she did. She had to. Uh, she had to. I know, but I fell in love with her about a week ago. Ew. Yeah, Ew. we're getting a little skeevy here. Ugh. If she was older, I would have asked her to marry me, but that would be impossible. Ew. Yeah. Ew. Why did I take my own life? Uh, common sense. No. <laughs> well, when you committed two double murders, you would too. Yes, I did kill Betty Jo Booker and Paul Martin in the city park that night and killed Mr. Starks and tried to get Mrs. Starks. You wouldn't have guessed it. I did it when Mother was either out or asleep and no one saw me do it. For the guns, I disassembled them and discarded them in different places. What I am found, which has already been done, please give this typewriter to Craig. That's Tennyson's older brother. And tell him that I hope his child is a boy. It will help him in his work. Everything can go wherever Sexist. you think. <laughs> Everything can go wherever you think it will do best, except for the Viewmaster, which will go to Belva Joe. Please take my bankroll and give it to Daddy. I think it should go to him. And tell him I don't want the car now. Well, I mean. <laughs> well, goodbye, everybody. See you sometime if I make the grade, which will be hard for me to make. H.B. Tennyson. Um, this is bullshit. 
this is this is somebody who's not of sound mind. This, this is this is somebody who's, who's who's definitely who's not. He's talking about a twelve year old that he he lives with that he fell in love with a week ago, and he is may we remind you eighteen. Mm-hmm. He's talking about making the grade, which is that is that getting into getting heaven. into heaven. Okay, yeah. he's saying you know like well I don't need the car anymore. You know it's 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 all very it's definitely somebody who's not of sound mind and is not and they they found other yeah. Suicide notes. He basically had draft upon draft of these, and they said like different things. Yeah, like there was one where it says, "Please disregard all other messages I've written. They are only thoughts which I was thinking about for as possible reasons for taking my own life." Yeah, yeah. What I honestly believe he was doing was actually kind of a compassionate thing. I think that he just really wanted to kill himself. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I've I my uh, second ex-wife was highly suicidal. And why did she want to kill herself? It was a different reason every week. Mm -hmm. I have gotten to the point where I have almost killed myself. I haven't had the nicest life. I think a lot more of our listeners out there, if they're honest, there's been times that they've come close too. Honestly, I think a lot of this was, let's just give them a reason. Let's make them hate me. Yeah, yeah, so that they they can't be... They can't be angry with me yeah. for doing this, yeah. and so they'll they'll hate me instead, and the hate will wash away the anger. Yeah, yeah, just yeah. trying to trying to in, in a way in a, in a twisted and in weird way, but be sort of compassionate. And yeah, I just I just think that he was he he had a lot of uh, of mental issues that were just driving him to you know because he wasn't he definitely wasn't he even like after the note and and after the the suicide, his own friend came forward. And said, you know, like he, he had heard the rumors. He said, mm-hmm. oh, you know, like, you know, duty confessed to being the phantom killer. And he said, the night of Stark's death, I was with him. We were we were at his house. We were playing cards and checkers from seven to midnight. And we we heard the, the news about Stark's death, you know, together. Yeah. We were together when the news came out. So there was no way he could have possibly committed that particular murder. And um, so, of course, they blamed it on uh, comic books. And, but he didn't even like guns. He didn't know guns yeah. very well. So to be able to do that and also like take the guns apart and discard them and everything, it just yeah, it was just he 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 had I think he had a uh, a mind that was I don't necessarily blame comic books because I think that's very silly. Yeah. But I think he did have a mind that was that was rooted very much in fantasy, maybe a little too much, definitely a little too much. Yeah. And you know, so th- he was able to uh, imagine himself. We've talked about people who have who are very uh, rich inner lives. Um, and sometimes those, I think those rich in our lives can be actually, you know, a, a big detriment, you know, and this might be one of those cases. We're imagining this all right. Yeah, now. that's true. Yeah. yeah that, I'm, I'm, I'm imagining somebody else's inner life. Yeah. I'm an imaginary friend. You can't see me now, but I'm actually a flying cow that farts cupcakes. We're not real. <laughs> I'm a unicorn. I just found out that like two days ago it was National Unicorn Day and I was like, what the fuck? friends I have that nobody told me. I'm upset that you didn't tell me right away. You should have texted me, Christy. Nobody told me. It was the next day when I saw somebody on Facebook go, oh, National Unicorn Day. I was like, do people not know me? Yes, yeah, seriously. I fucking love unicorns. I, I would, like, this is, like, the fact that there is a National Unicorn Day surprises the hell out of me. I, well, it, it should have been from the very founding of the United States we should have had. I, the second I saw that on the British passport there's a unicorn, I was like, well... I'm going to become a British citizen. But if you notice, the unicorn is chained up. I did not notice that, yeah. actually. <gasps> yeah, look at the leg. Look How at the leg. 
dare they? Well, unicorns were considered dangerous animals back in the day. Glorious animals, you mean. Dangerously glorious animals. I love how we managed to get onto unicorns. Well, you know, that's it's us. <laughs> it is, yeah, so. that's true. It is me. Um, I will get to unicorns at any point in time, if at all possible, so... But Duty, I don't think he was even in love with the 12-year-old. I think, honestly, he was just spreading the hate around. Like, like tell me, like, if you had a 12-year-old daughter and a roommate and he killed himself, like, and you, you were friends with him and stuff, if he killed himself and then you find a note going, I was in love with your 12-year-old, tell me there isn't some relief there. Yeah, I think, yeah, you might be right. He was just trying to make it easier for, for the people that, that knew him and loved him in, yeah. in a very in a very twisted way. Like, you know, this is not to encourage anybody in no, any way, shape, no. or form to do anything like this. And from somebody... We're just trying to explain it yeah. because it is very it is very out there and different. It's strange. From somebody who's been right to that point a yeah. few times, if you need the help, get the help. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Um, I've spent time in a hospital... Uh, because I was suicidal. I spent, I spent, uh, about eight hours in a hospital once because I was suicidal. Um, there was another time whenever I was going to kill myself in a Walmart parking lot. Oh dear. I actually bought the sleeping pills. Oh dear. And it, it was a situation where I had, I was in a relationship. I had a child in this relationship and then it turned out the child wasn't my child. And I would never see this child again. Oh, jeez. And Christy knows the story. Christy knows the story very well. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of yeah. sharing this with everybody here now. And I decided if I wasn't going to see this child that I considered very much considered to be my son, that I would probably be better off not being here. And I actually bought the, uh, bought the sleeping pills. And I was going to go into the Walmart, Walmart parking lot and, and take them, overdose on them, so that my mom wouldn't find my body. Yeah. And then a kind of common sense kind of kicked in, and this is the thought that kept me alive. I am doing to my mom what my ex has done to me. I am taking away a son. So I went wow. in. Yeah. Damn. Talk and, about an, a, an epiphany. Yeah. Yeah. So I went in. I returned the sleeping pills. And I found out they're not supposed to take back medicine. And the woman actually at the counter actually goes, why are you bringing these back? And I actually told her. I said, I've changed my mind. And I took the money and I went and got a microphone and recorded my first podcast about two nights later. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Damn. Yeah. So... Whenever you listen to episode one of my other podcast, mm -hmm. that's a couple of days after I was going to kill myself. Wow. Yeah. And it, it, the, the genesis was you deciding not to. Exactly. That's and amazing. now things are pretty good. Things are pretty good. And for anybody who is struggling, uh, the, the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. It's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's also an online chat. Uh, available just just look up honestly all you have to do is just google suicide hotline yeah. and it is there throw that number out one more time absolutely it's 1-800-273-8255 yeah so <clears throat> i and i get it i think better than most people i get it there are times that it's going to feel like the best thing is to remove yourself and it's going to take the pain away it doesn't it does not take the pain away. It just spreads it out 
amongst the people that did love you. Yeah, it turns into uh, you know the ripple effect of when you throw a stone in, yeah. into a into a pond, into a lake, whatever. Yeah. And this, you know, the, the the stone might fall down through the water. You don't see the stone anymore, but that pain ripples through outward, and just it's just concentric circles of pain just radiating outwards through the people who knew and loved you. So, yeah. so yeah. Um, and and you know, I've been. Uh, I've, I've had the thoughts too, so I've, I've <laughs> had some some bad days and weeks, oh, but yeah. Uh, but oh, yeah. yeah. So I, I think that, but yeah, he was trying to he was trying to to kind of take those concentric circles rippling outward. And he was trying to pull them in, or trying to just like smash them with a bigger stone, mm-hmm. something like that. I'm, I'm I'm trying to make this analogy work, uh, this metaphor work, but uh, but yeah, it's I, I think that was really what he was trying to do. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. There was getting back to like the the suspects. There was also a German prisoner of war. Yes. Who was a suspect. He was never named, uh, but he was hunted as a matter of routine. And that's in air quotes. He was described as a stocky 24-year-old weighing 170, 187 pounds with brown hair and blue eyes. Uh, he stole a car near Mount Ida, Arkansas and attempted to buy ammo in several eastern Oklahoma towns. I feel bad for this guy. Because, honestly, whenever shit goes down, it's always, let's blame the Nazi. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my heavens. And, yeah, it was, it was, uh, he, this guy, he, uh, he was flagged down a ride. He was hitchhiking. He gave the guy $5. The, the man, uh. The man was named um, Herbert Thomas. Uh, he gave Thomas five dollars mm-hmm. for the ride, and then at the end of the ride, mugged him and took the five dollars back, plus two more dollars. Yeah. Yeah. And that, damn, <laughs> was that the the same guy? The guy that was mugged was he the one that was also hypnotized? Yes. Yes. That, that one was is. something. Yeah. They uh, they hypnotized him. And because everybody like the, I think there was a psychologist who was working w- with him with the, the potential suspect who had also had been mugged. Yeah. Um, but uh, I believe if I remember correctly, he was black. So of course, you know, I'm, am I remembering correctly? You are correct. Okay. You all are right. Correct. We're, we're a week out from the research. So I just want to make sure that I'm getting the details right. So of course he had to have been made also a suspect, even though he was a victim of being mugged. Yeah. And so the psychologist is like, well, you know, like the, the, the police aren't believing him, so I'll, I'll, I'll hypnotize him, which seems like, you know, he's on his side until you read this quote. I put a cigarette out on his arm. Yeah. Absolutely no reaction. Bill was thoroughly convinced. It's like, Jesus. He's going to come too. He's going to come too. And the first thing he's going to do is scream because you put a cigarette out on his arm. You fucking, were you like wearing like a black leather gift mask and had a ball gag in him too? Jesus Christ. There's something, something a little kinky about that. That's, it's, it's definitely, it, it's fucked up is what it, it is. It really is. Yeah. It really is. Now, God, I'm, I'm kind of wondering, is this the hypnotized? No, I am so sorry. Am I incorrect? We are incorrect. Okay. The hypnotized the hypnotized man was actually a suspect. Okay, I thought that the the, the guy who uh, was mugged also turned into a suspect. No, okay. no. This uh this was tra- uh, let's see here. Travis Elliott was the hypnotist. Um it might be the same guy. It might be the same guy. Sheriff Presley uh 
Let's see. Police arrested a black man in his 30s whose tire tracks were found on the other side of the road from Martin's corpse. So this gentleman, he didn't, he failed a polygraph test. Okay. All right. Yeah, all right. He failed a polygraph test. And it was a situation of like, well, why did you fail the polygraph test? And you're black. Yeah. So, so I'm conflating the, the two incidents because they're, right, yeah, yeah. Right. Because black. Yeah. S- sorry. <laughs> um, but they hypnotized this guy, the suspect. They put a cigarette, a cigarette out on his fucking arm. After, of course, some hearty nipple tweaking through <laughs> through the gimp suit. And it turns out he was having an affair with a white woman. And that's why he failed the polygraph test. Okay. Because this is 1947. In? In the South. Texas. The deep South. <laughs> or Arkansas. Or Arkansas, yeah. Which is kind of like tomato, tomato at this point. Yeah. So much so that they share a town. Yeah. Racist, racist town. Yes. <laughs> and there went our Texarkana listeners. Yes. Bye. Well, I'm sure things are better now. Yes. Let's hope. Yeah. So, and the rumors were, were, were being spread constantly. Like, you have a small town and you have an incident like this. And just things just just blow up. There were there were people who thought that the cops had caught the the, the person responsible and were holding him, but not telling the public. Um, some people believed that the suspect or you know the actual killer was being held at the Bowie County Jail, and that he was surrounded by Texas Rangers with submachine guns on their knees. <laughs> what? Right? Yeah. Why? Why? Christ, like war criminals. Yeah. You know, don't get that kind of security. One dude that, like, wears a bag on his head gets this. You know, it's... I would understand. Like, it's... Yes, whoever it was got away with it, but this isn't fucking Lex Luthor we're dealing with. Yeah. You know, a a set of bars would do just fine. Yeah, you don't need to have, like, ten Texas Rangers all just ready to shoot at the slightest breath. Exactly, exactly. So weird. Yeah, just... And I just picture them, like, all jittery, and it's like... George, Jesus Christ, you need to cut down on the coffee, man. Just switch to fucking decaf. I gotta shoot something, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) And he's just, the the phantom killer's just in there going, I wish I could shoot something. (laughs) Singing songs to himself. Oh, Lord. It's getting creepier by the second. Yeah, it is. I make a little, I paint a word picture. (laughs) There's also... The coma veteran. Oh, yes. Yeah. This this guy just kind of shows up. He's 21 years old, ex-Army Air Force B-24 machine gunner. His name is Ralph B. Bauman. And he goes, I think I may be the Phantom. I've been in a coma. I'm really good with a gun. And he just goes out and shows him how good he is with a gun. Yeah, and just, yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And he's like, like bullseye after bullseye after bullseye. Um, Allow me to show you how I might have committed these murders exactly. if I had committed them, which I probably did. Yeah. It's basically what he's saying, and that's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Also, he's... And he goes, I'm happiest when I'm living in danger. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is that kind of thing to say? This guy was something. Yeah. Um, but it's... Uh, they they kind of went, no, this guy's overacting. We don't think it is yeah. him. This guy's a weirdo. Yeah, he's definitely a weirdo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and really, and there were tons and tons and tons of false confessions. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, there there was one where a newspaper reporter goes up to a guy in a bar, a known alcoholic, and goes, 
if you confess to the killings, I'll give you a fifth of whiskey. Now he goes, yeah, sure. Oh, my God. Talk about integrity and reporting. Yeah, yeah. Which, if you're going to confess to a bunch of murders, go for an entire whiskey, not just one-fifth of a whiskey. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. At least make it worth it. Exactly. Go for the bottle. Yeah. Go for the bottle. And finally, the police come in. They talk to this guy. And they go, you're not the killer. He goes, yeah, but I got a fifth of whiskey out of it. And then probably puked on his own shoes. Probably, yeah. 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 So, so yeah, it was, it was just bonkers shit going down here in this, in this particular area. Um, so, yeah. Uh, people, the, the stores, some businesses were, were not doing well. You know, any businesses where you would go for any sort of entertainment, especially at yeah. night, not doing great. But if you happen to sell guns, locks, uh, if you, you know, had some, some guard dogs, you know, mm-hmm. you would just, you know, some, just puppies just uh, came out, you know, and ready to be bred to be guard dogs. Um, ammunition, window shades, Venetian blinds. If I could somehow sell a German Shepherd with a gun lock on it, I think I could have been a millionaire. Yes. <laughs> some Absolutely. Sort of gun lock Attack dog hybrid. So we'll make that. We'll get our time machine, mm-hmm. and then we'll go back and we'll become millionaires and tech again. I think we'd probably be more likely to make millions because we have a time machine. You're not wrong, my friend. Yeah. What would you do with a time machine? Oh what's gosh. The, what's the first thing you would do if you had a time machine? That is an excellent question. Mm-hmm. I think I would. One, okay, I would have a couple of different options. One would be to, like, go back to the time of Shakespeare. Okay. Just to check that shit out, you know? Um, so that would definitely be an option. Uh, I would, I, I'm not going to be like, you know, oh, kill Hitler, you know? Like, that's, that's, that's the... Once, once again, <clears throat> that's a bad option. Yeah. Seduce Hitler's mother. <laughs> yes. That's where the winner yes. is. We have discussed the correct way... Exactly. ...to work a time machine where Hitler is concerned. So... Um, I've always wanted to, like, you know, check out, like, every, everything's literary with me. The, the Algonquin Round Table mm-hmm. in, uh, in uh, New York in the, in the 20s uh, with, with all the people who eventually became, like, expats and such. And the, the, the wits, you know, I would love to, you know, even just sit at an adjacent table and listen to Dorothy Parker go on, you know. Not Beast Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Not Beast and Lisa's dog. <laughs> we have a friend whose dog's name is Dorothy Parker. Because it's hilarious to give animals a first and last name. Yes. That are normal first and last names. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, the stuff like that, I think, like, you know, go back to literary moments that I've always uh, been been intrigued by. Uh, and, yeah, how about you? Dinosaurs. Ah, uh, yes, yes. I'd fucking want to see a dinosaur. Yeah, that would be, that would be cool. Yeah. And, and terrifying. I know th- well... I think if I've got the technology to go back in time, I, I can also have the technology to defend myself. That is true, yeah. Maybe that's what wiped out the dinosaurs. Time travelers <laughs> going back and having to defend themselves from them. It all happens at once, wipes them all out. There you go. There it yeah. is. Now we have a new theory for yeah. uh, what happened to the dinosaurs. <laughs> so, so, yeah, people were getting all kinds of locks. And here we have your old-timey, crimey safety tip. Mm-hmm. When you're installing a new lock, like a deadbolt or something like that, uh, don't use the, the the screws that come with it, especially for installing the the plate that goes into the door frame. Uh, use by longer screws uh, and use those to fix the plate to the door frame. 
and then those those screws will usually they'll they'll like basically uh, go into the uh, into the actual um, structure of the structure house. of the house. Thank <laughs> you. Um, and so because the, the the plate is the weak spot, so if somebody is trying to kick down a door with a, a deadbolt, the plate will be the thing that actually breaks. It's not the deadbolt unless you have it secured nice and tight with some nice long screws. And then it'll take a lot longer for them because they'll actually have to break the deadbolt in, the, in their, you know, attempts to get into the house. So that is your old-timey, crimey uh, safety tip. Here's my safety tip. Whenever you buy the gun, aim for the head or the pump. That's one of the two. The computer or the pump. The heart or the brain. Because quite honestly, if you aim to wound, they're going to get you. Yeah, and it, it it can be dicey. Even like you, you gotta if you have a gun, you have to like you have to practice with oh, that absolutely. shit. You can't just buy a gun and assume that you'll you know like especially when you're like freaked out that somebody's in your house and your adrenaline's pumping and you know maybe you just woke up or something like that. You can't possibly assume you gotta you gotta practice the hell out of that yeah. shit. And Otherwise, re- they're just gonna get the gun from you. And remember, if you have a gun in your home, statistically, you're probably not gonna use it to defend yourself. The first thing it'll kill is a family member. Yeah, statistically. Yeah, so- you know, it's not going to be, you're not going to be defending yourself. Statistically, you're going to get mad and murder your mother over some meatloaf dispute. <laughs> meatloaf. That, that is the cause of most <clears throat> domestic disputes. It is meatloaf. That's, that's well known. So yeah, um, you had uh, a lot of things being sold out. Uh, window sash locks, screen door hooks, night latches, just basically anything to keep your house secure. People were boarding up their windows. Uh, I love this little detail I found. There were the, the women who's, you know, the uh, uh, women of means, husbands going off on business. So when their husbands were away, they would check into Hotel Grimm, which really sounds so much like a writer trying to add atmosphere and just yeah. going too far. Yeah. But it was a real hotel. That was an, like, you know, it, it still housed people, maybe more in like longer term, you know, like housing. Uh, up until like the, I think the eighties or nineties, there's actually a video on YouTube of somebody going and taking like a a tour of it and sort of like an urban, you know, exploration type deal. Um, but yeah, Hotel Grimm. (laughs) It doesn't sound like where you want to go when you're trying to escape fear, but that was what they did. That was where they went. It was apparently quite the, quite the ritzy place, uh, back in its, back in its heyday. So I wonder what it's like now or if it even still exists. Oh, it's falling apart. It's it's falling apart and and is yeah if the the video online I'll I'll try to post a link on our, our um, social media, the video is definitely it's it's lost its its former glory, um, and you just had I mean, anytime officers were going out they had to turn on the siren you know if they were going out on a call or something if they were just going out to check on something they had to turn on the siren announce themselves like while standing in their headlights. They couldn't sneak up on anybody because they would get shot because people were jittery as fuck. Oh, yeah. But last week we we spoke about like teenagers going out trying to catch the phantom themselves. And it to me, it is absolutely incredible, you know, that some of these people went out there on their own and did it. Especially kids. Yeah. Yeah. Kids. Kids taking matters into their own hands. But the Texas Rangers went, hey, that's a pretty good idea. <laughs> I got a teenager. Joe, you got a teenager too. Get them out here in this car. They're decoys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you had that, that them, them using their own children. I do actually have some sons and daughters of Texas Rangers here. And uh, they also had uh, officers, as we saw in the movie, volunteering as decoys. I don't know if the decoys actually meant that they wore the dresses like they did in the movie. I like to imagine that they did. I hope so. And then some of them, it says some with real partners, and then others just had mannequins. 
I like to think like there's that one, that one guy, and there's nothing wrong with being gay, but I like to think there was like that one cop who's sitting beside his partner and he's secretly in love with his partner. And he's just and they're out on lovers' they, lane. They're out on lovers' lane. He looks over and he's in like a polka dot chiffon dress, and so uh, Jim, I think we need to make this a little bit more realistic. I want you to come here. Let me wrap my hairy meat hooks around you and just give you some tongue right here, right now. Hairy it's meat hooks. It's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be convincing. We have to do it for the children. I think I know what the title of this episode is, or at least the, the, what I'm going to put on the art. I have no idea where my pen is, but there we go. Hairy meat hooks. Writing that down right now. Always got to look for that. Um... Yeah, it was definitely, it was, it was, like I said, like the, the word, I keep on bringing, saying the word bonkers, but that's really like a great word to apply to this because it, it was, it, everything was going crazy. You had a tavern owner, a bar owner, um, somebody came in and asked for a beer and he shot him in the foot. I don't have any more details other than that <laughs> because I, I don't, I don't know how exactly this transpired. Was it just like, Hey, can I have a beer? No. Bang. bang. <laughs> Obviously guilty. Yes. It, it, well, think about it. Think about it from the, the bartender's perspective. He's scared. He's got to wait. Like the bar is probably closing at nine thirty. Yeah. It's 10 o'clock and all of a sudden somebody he doesn't know walks in. Yeah. Who else is going to be out that late at night except for the killer? Shoot him in the foot, just in case. And like I said, duh, aim for the head or the heart. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in this case, it was probably good that he didn't, since yeah, it was yeah. just somebody looking to get a drink. Probably somebody from out of town, which, you know, I, I get the feeling 1947 Texarkana. If you're not from Texarkana and you go in there, you're kind of asking for it. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. And you had a lot of false alarms, too, um, because people, people were just nervous. They were jumpy as hell. You had... Um, I think uh, this was soon after the Stark murders, but I'm not 100% sure. Uh, there were people uh, who were freaking out. So they're calling the, the uh, instead of the police, apparently they're calling into the news and saying, we hear sirens, you know, we think more murders have been committed. Uh, uh, it was a carnival. All kinds of, this one was actually in the movie. Uh, Friday, May 10th, uh, officers were called because there were reports of strange noises coming from an upstairs room. It was a cat in a trash can. Cat in a trash can. This is no time for folk music, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> when isn't it time for folk music, Scott? Got myself a trash can and a cat. Can you even just imagine that? Excellent. Excellent. That I, definitely took a country turn there. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you. You got real twangy at the end. Yeah. <laughs> I got the Texarkana Moonlight Murder Blues. I'm the Phantom. I got teenage blood on my shoes. Wow. <laughs> okay, I'm done. I'm Secret done. talent being tapped into. Songwriter extraordinaire. <laughs> Scott Mort, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, just absolute chaos. Uh, a family called the police because there was a tapping at their door. It was a messenger trying to deliver a letter. Oh, uh, he's yeah. lucky he didn't get shot. Just, you know, oh my God, call the police, call the police. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> white-faced calves broke loose and uh, just slept on lawns. And residents called in to report white-faced things in the dark. So people were really just losing it. And I can understand. Yeah. I totally can get it. I would be on pins and needles if something like that were happening around me. I absolutely would. I would be freaked out. I was freaked out when, you know, a couple episodes I talked about when uh, 
we had a killer uh, who escaped from the state hospital in, mm. in Martown. And I, yeah, that freaked me out. And even um, had a friend take advantage of that and play a little prank on us at one point in time that was pretty cruel. But, uh, you know, it, we and we easily were, it, it didn't take long for the panic to set in in that moment when we were like, oh my God, we're out in the woods and he's missing. And, you know, oh my God, did the killer get him? And so, yeah, like it's, I, I totally, I, I, I make fun, but I also understand totally like you, it's, it's a primal fear for your life. It absolutely is. It's, it is the number one drive. I don't mm-hmm. care what it is. Uh, they, they say like the main drive of the human species is, is sex, which is total bullshit in my book. I honestly don't believe the main drive is sex. It's survival. It's survival. It's taking that next breath. That is what it's about. Mm. I'm even going to put sex down fourth on the list. Survival. And then I'm going to say having a home. Like having some place to be. Isn't a home like part of survival? Like it it, it aids in survival. It helps with survival. It protects you from the elements. It protects you from phantom killers. Yeah. Having a home would be considered survival. But at the same time, there have been... Other humans in history that are nomadic. That's true, yeah. You know, so your home is kind of kind of a temporary thing. No, I think sex is probably like third or fourth on the list, the continuation of the species. I honestly think that the procurement of land, having a home, is number one. Wars are not fought over sex. That is yeah. Wars are not fought over food. Wars are fought over land and resources. And it's because, it, 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 it makes a lot of sense logically, because, you know, Sure, yes, the the continuation of the species happens through sex. Okay, but you can't do that unless you can survive first. Right. You have to survive in order to, you know, usher that next generation in. So, you know, that that it makes sense for, for that to come first. It makes yeah. absolute sense. I mean, it's a definite drive. Do not get me mm-hmm. wrong. It is a definite drive. And it's a strong drive. But at the same time, it's not number one. Not number one. Um, Man... It's, uh, this, this whole kind of thing of the town taking this and over the span of 30 years, turning it into something that they embrace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Texarkana, every Halloween has a festival where they show the town that dreaded sundown. Yep. Every Halloween. Um, it's the last film shown in the movies of the park. God, I'd love to go down there and see that. Absolutely, yeah. That would be fantastic. That would be that'd be incredible. It's free. And for, since 2003, it is a free event sponsored by the Tex Arcana, Texas Department of Parks and Recreation. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine? Can you imagine sitting there with your family and watching a woman get murdered by a knife trombone? All for free. Excuse me, a trombone knife? I'm saying at that point the knife is the main thing. The trombone is just the instrument. So knife. Well, that's trombone. why I'm using trombone as a modifier tonight. I see. It's it's yeah, but but um, English. So. No, no. <laughs> I I succeed to you, the published author. The only reason I got my shit published was because Kindle. So it could go either way. Yeah. It's 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 yeah. But it's a weird murder it's, weapon. It's a weird, and the movie itself is just. There were so many moments where I was like, is this a comedy? Because I think it's a comedy, you know? Um, I don't know. I don't think I don't know it we, was meant to be a comedy. Well, not meant to, but no. Did yeah. we talk about... I know we talked about it outside of the podcast last week, but we talked about on the podcast my 
my uh, the hilarity of the driving. I think we did not. Okay. Let's let's hit it again. Sure. You know, yeah. Listeners, and we can edit it listeners out. if you don't like this, just yeah. fast forward. Yeah. Yeah. Hit that fifteen seconds button a couple of times. Mm-hmm. So we were Jackson and I were watching this together. My husband and I were watching this together, and. Um, he at first said, you know, like nobody in this movie can drive. And it's it, a, a big thing is made of the character named Sparkplug, who's kind of like the, the bumbling fool cop character, um, and his inability to drive. But nobody else can either. You've got the guy who's supposed to be like the, the deputy sheriff and he's driving granted. It's on like muddy roads and everything, but his car is just flinging itself all over the road. You have a point where, uh, Sparkplug is, is driving them to, you know, they think they might've caught, um the uh, a possible suspect and so he's like speeding to it and he ends up you know screwing things up but you have other police cars getting in on the chase and at one point one of them like speeds past the street that everybody the, the, the country road that everybody's turning on to and then manages to circle back like kind of like you know if you go past the street you know you might go down the road and turn around but this one's like now nah, i'll just you know like i'll just turn this into a u-turn and then the U-turn turns into an O because it just keeps on going around in a circle. And I was just like practically on the floor laughing. I was like, nobody in this movie can drive. And yeah, there were definite, um, there's a lot of moments that we've talked about in the movie too. The, the trash can cat yeah. that you, you you sang so beautifully about Thank um, you. Is, uh, is, uh, is in there. You have... Buy it on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have... Uh, a version kind of of, of Yule Swinney because the, the guy had uh, stolen a car and basically was like, well, you got me. I'm the Phantom Killer. Oh, well. And then the, I'd like to <laughs> oh, think, me, oh, my. It's not in the film, but I want to hear. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. So and then at the very end of the film, you have um, one of uh, the, the horror genre's very first meta moments. Uh, and, and I'm going to do this real quick. If you're going to watch the movie, I don't want to spoil anything for you. So hit 15 seconds twice right now. Um, and I'll give you a minute to get out of the shower in case you're, you know, doing what I do, which is listen to podcasts in the shower. Um, so throughout the movie, we know what, when we're seeing the killer, because we see his shoes, Mm -hmm. you know, we basically only see him from like the calf down. And at the very end of the movie, you see him, the shoes of the killer in line for the premiere of the movie you're watching. So, shit got meta. And here's the thing. That probably happened. It's entirely possible. Absolutely. If if it wasn't Yul Swinney, uh, or, you know, I think Yul Swinney would have brought up some suspicion going Mm -hmm. to actually see a screening of it. But um, even, you know, like whoever it was, if they survived that extra 30 years, they might have seen the movie. Yeah. 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 There's... There's this beautiful meta moment that I know happened, but I didn't witness it in in horror films, right? The the cop that Dirty Harry is based off of, mm-hmm. he was actually one of the cops that um, that investigated the Zodiac Killer. Oh, okay. Who some people believe the Phantom and the Zodiac Killer are the same killer. Yeah. And there's a lot of comparisons. So the cop they based Dirty Harry off of goes to the premiere, right? If you watch the movie Zodiac, you see the cop watching Dirty Harry <laughs> in this. And I know for a fact that same cop was still alive 
So he's in the theater watching himself go to the movie that's based on him. Oh my god. That's and it's just this meta lasagna <laughs> that just keeps layering itself over and over and over. The the director of The Town That Dreaded Sundown, of course, like I said, one of my favorite movies, Legend of Boggy Creek, he worked on a lot of films. Like, it is not just these two. He, um, he started off as a set decorator. Um, he was a set decorator on one of my favorite westerns, The Outlaw Josie Wales. Ah. Uh, if you haven't seen The Outlaw Josie Wales, amazing, amazing film. Um, he directed, let's see here, he was the set decorator on Dirty Dingus McGee, if we're going to stick with the funny names. But then he goes on to direct after uh, Boggy Creek and... Uh, he directs Bootleggers, uh, then he does The Town That Dreaded Sundown. He's director on Grey Eagle, The Norseman, um, The Evictors, Sacred Ground, Boggy Creek 2, uh, Hawkins Breed, Renfro's White Christmas, Chasing the Wind. This is a guy that kept wow. going and going and going. Way more prolific than I knew. Yeah, um, he was. Uh, this was one of my favorites from the 60s. This shows how old I am. Um, the TV show, Please Don't Eat the Daisies. Huh. I've never uh, he heard was, of that. Oh, it's based on a book. You should read Please Don't Eat the Daisies and okay. then see a couple of the episodes of the TV series. It's essentially a, a mother dealing with her children. Okay. You know, it's very, very good. Um, and it comes from the things that, you, the, the title comes from the things that you wouldn't believe you'd have to say as a mother. Please don't eat the oh, daisies. Uh-huh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> so... He's, uh, he was the set decorator and Please Don't Eat the Daisies. For eight episodes, he was a set decorator on the MacGyver TV series. Wow. Huh. So this is not a guy who just went out and went, I have $500. I'll buy a camera. Shoot a film. You know, there, no, this is a guy who worked in the industry. Um, clear up. Like, he starts in 1966 and works in the industry all the way up to 91. Wow. So, I mean, this is, this is a guy... Was he a B-movie director? Yeah, but God bless him. He worked he, his passion. I think he was, yeah, he was doing what he wanted. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. Doing what he enjoyed. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. Hats off to you, Chuck Pierce. Uh, Absolutely. Unfortunately, Chuck Pierce, he uh, he passed away. Uh, natural causes. March 5th, uh, 2010. Um, he did get honored in 2008 at the Little Rock Film Festival, oh. though. Oh. <laughs> Where festival producers screened a retrospective of his films and presented him with oh. a lifetime achievement. Oh, award. that's so wonderful! Yeah. Good uh, for him. Yeah, he directed thirteen films over the span of twenty-six years, so it's like a film every two years, and he is considered the first modern independent filmmaker. Wow! So, and it's a thing where quite a trailblazer. Yeah, yeah. Legend of Boggy Creek. It made a lot of money. Town That Dreaded Sundown made a lot of money. It's, these are not, these were small films to begin with, but they didn't stay small films. Mm -hmm. They were drive-in favorites. Absolutely. And that's something that I wish we still had in society today, the drive-in. And I think we're very lucky here in in Johnstown, we actually do have a drive-in. Yeah, yeah. Should go this summer. Yeah. I haven't been in a couple years. Yeah, me too. Me too. Shit got busy. Yeah, right? <laughs> Plus they do tend to, and I get it, like, like it can be like a great family outing and everything, but they do tend to show like more like family, like they'll show pairs of movies and a lot of it, t- times it'll be like family films and yeah. I'm like, well, it's not my deal. I don't have kids, you know? Like, right, right. 
Finding Nemo followed up by Bloodlust. Yes. I did see uh, snakes on a plane there. Nice. Yeah, right? Nice. If you're going to see snakes on a plane that year that it came out, you had to see it at the drive-in. That's the only place. It's perfect. You feel like you're weirdly in the 50s, but also not. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was fantastic. You and I do have this fascination with, I think we were born a little too late. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I, I've always I've always felt that way. I've always been obsessed with, with times gone by. I mean, hello, look at this podcast <laughs> for crying out loud. Well, I think I think mine comes from having a father that was born in nineteen eighteen. Mm. And so I feel like I belong probably to the generation beforehand. So because everybody else, like their dads were going like, here, this is a strawberry alarm clock. This is good shit. My dad, here's, here's Glenn Miller and sing, sing, sing with a swing. He'll like this, Scott. And I did. <laughs> yeah, I was always yeah. reading older books. Um, when I was growing up, I was uh, obsessed with uh, L.M. Montgomery's work, uh, the Anne of Green Gables. Mm. Uh, I loved uh, I love Anne of Green Gables. Don't get me wrong. I love the whole series. But Emily of New Moon and that, that trilogy was always my... That was my jam. So Great Gatsby I, for me. Oh yeah, Great Gatsby was yeah. That oh. that's that's one of Jackson's favorite books too, and he doesn't have very many favorite books because he's not a big reader. Yeah, read, the irony of me marrying not a big reader is, <laughs> is not lost on me. I read The Great Gatsby when I was thirteen. And I spent three months calling all my friends old sports. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> I can absolutely see that. And Gatsby is one of those books that it. The meaning, how, how you experience it and what you take from it changes as you grow older. I mean, yeah. a, lot, that's, a lot of books, I think that's probably true, but that's it's, it's deeply true for that. Like, when you read it in high school, it means one thing. When you read it in your teens, it means something. Or, sorry, in, in your 20s, it means something else. It, it, it evolves morphs. with you. Yeah, it evolves with you, yeah. and you, see, you, you get different things from it. Yeah, so, but yeah, I've always been... Like I said, you know, like Algonquin Round Table. I mean, I have like a biography of Dorothy Parker sitting out on my bookshelf. I have, you know, like I, I love, I've always loved Edna St. Vincent Millay. She was also of that cohort. Um, and, uh, you know, Hemingway. I have, a cat. I have a Hemingway cat named Hemingway. I also, That's you know, my, my, my first cat in my adulthood uh, was, was Shakespeare. I named him Shakespeare. Um, and uh, yeah, just I've, I've always. I've always loved old movies. Um, and part of that, I think, is probably influenced by my family. Like, my dad is, like, of a, you know, he, he was born in uh, 41. Okay. So, I mean, when we would go to my grandpa's house, like, they would be, we would be watching, like, old videos of Carson, you know? Like, and we would watch old movies, like, From Here to Eternity, you know? And so that sort of, like, seeped into my consciousness. And so when I was... 12 or 13 and my parents divorced that was when we moved into town and so we could actually get cable and when we got cable i wasn't watching mtv 24 7 i was watching amc and that was back in there it was american movie classics mm-hmm. and they, they showed the old movies and it's more like tcm like i was watching i skipped school one day to watch the lost weekend with, with ray milan <laughs> just just look it up <laughs> it's no that, why why would anybody skip school no, you know, any reason, I guess. I was. I love Lucy, I loved I Love Lucy, Mary Tyler Moore, Dick Van Dyke. Oh, yeah. I had so many, all of my fascinations were from the 20s to the 50s, aside from literature, which goes way back. How about The Ghost and Mrs. Muir? I don't know if I've seen that one. Oh, you need to watch The Ghost and Mrs. Muir. How about, okay, so the first time I saw My Fair Lady was transcendent. Yeah. Oh my God, that whole entire, like, oh, I could have danced on her. <laughs> 
the ghost of Mrs. Muir, and I think we're kind of wrapping up. This is yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, now we're just talking about things we, we love. We all know Yul Sweeney did it. Yeah, <laughs> it was Yul Sweeney. Case closed. We're done. Yeah, we're done. We're done. The the ghost of Mrs. Muir. This woman moves into this house mm-hmm. that a sea captain used to own, and then his ghost is there. Huh. And they fall in love. Oh my gosh. This, this does sound kind of familiar. I yeah. might have seen it in one of my like t- marathons of AMC movies. There was a TV series based on it. Around the same time, Please Don't Eat the Daisies was on. Okay. Yeah. And uh, the guy that played Devin on Knight Rider played the ghost in the TV series. Oh my series. god, that's hilarious. And uh, and it had Charles Nelson Riley, I think, was in it wow. as well. But in the original one... And I can't remember the actor's name right now, but the actor that played the ghost is the inspiration for Stewie on Family Guy. Oh my god, that's hilarious. It, Rex <laughs> Harrison. Rex Harrison! Rex Harrison's in My Fair Lady! Yeah! Oh, that yeah. makes total sense! Oh my god, I'm seeing it now. How yeah. did I not know this? How did I not make that connection? Yeah, Rex huh. Rex Harrison. Uh, like, notorious, notorious gentleman's man. Yes. Rex Harrison. He's, uh, yeah, he was one of those Hollywood celebrities that didn't come out as gay, but obviously was. Mm-hmm. Um, Raymond Burr, for example, uh, closeted homosexual as well. Um, but it was, uh, it, it was just one of those beautiful things where there, there's all these stories about Rex Harrison almost telling people he was gay. Mm-hmm. And he was just one of the few that couldn't own it. Like, Rock yeah. Hudson couldn't own it. Certain people could. Charles Nelson Riley, he owned it. Mm-hmm. He owned it. Liberace owned being gay. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Nobody has owned being gay more than Liberace absolutely owned being gay. Not. God bless him. Liberace, I'm sorry, Liberace was a damn pioneer. Absolutely, in yeah. the gay rights movement. Brave as fuck. Like, everybody, everybody kind of goes, you know, oh, Elton John came out in the 70s. Shit! Like, Liberace was doing that shit in the early 60s. <laughs> you know, so let's, let's give, let's give Liberace a little credit here. Mm-hmm. But... Yeah, those old movies are just fantastic. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Notorious with Cary Grant and Ingrid Bergman. I was just going to say Cary Grant is my... Oh, my gosh. And Ingrid Bergman for me. Oh, yeah. She's she's wonderful. Oh, yes. (laughs) That's what I'm going to do if I have a time machine. Seduce Ingrid Bergman. First Hitler's mother. (laughs) And then we're going to go seduce Ingrid Bergman. It's an interesting progression. Yeah, Hitler's mom. (laughs) Then Ingrid Bergman. And then after that, maybe take Ingrid and we'll go see some dinosaurs. Absolutely. I'm yeah. sure she would love that. That's a great, uh, not a first date because you've already seduced her. Exactly. It's a second date. Exactly. This is showing You know, her... after breakfast the next day, go back and see the dinosaurs. I'm saying that if I can show somebody dinosaurs, I think I can score with them. Absolutely. <laughs> But you're going to you're going to score with her first, first. and then then look what I can do. You don't want it to be the dinosaurs this, that got you in. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. The dinosaurs is the gateway to butt stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh sweet Jesus. Oh. <laughs> that <Yeah>, okay. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt somebody. Dinosaurs are the gateway to butt stuff. I mean, it's common <laughs> knowledge. We all know. I can't believe I told one of my students about this podcast today. Oh, you're going to be fired. I told him. He's, he's like, oh, my mom likes crime stuff. And I'm like, oh, have your mom listen to us. I was like, she doesn't mind swearing, does she? He's like, oh, no. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so hi, hi, students, mom, if you're listening. Sorry about the... She the, didn't say it. To I be fair, yeah, this is all on me. To be fair. Yes, I'm just, you know, kind of... The, Reacting to it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so I'm a sorry. party to this. <laughs> I am so sorry. She is my accomplice, but she is definitely not guilty of the crimes. 
of dinosaur butt stuff. Guilty by association. Yeah, kind, of, <laughs> kind of. I'm fine with that. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> Any big plans for this week? Um, we were gonna try and do a redo of the birthday tomorrow, but I think that might that might just wait another week. I'm still feeling pretty crappy, but. And this is going to be very uh, not timely because this will come out like in a couple weeks, this episode. But Game of Thrones is finally back. Oh, my God. Like, I've got all my fantasy leagues going and I'm like getting prepared to like block out time to read many, many recaps. Like, this is this is it. I'm happy for you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I like and this is sound, this is going to sound weird because I'm a huge nerd. Mm-hmm. Like, I love Star Trek. I love Star Wars. I love Transformers, especially. And. I love all that stuff, and the Goldbergs, and all that. I couldn't give two shits about Game of Thrones. <laughs> and yet you made a Brand of Tarth reference on our very first episode. I, I know, episode, I, I think. know. Maybe well, second. I think that just shows how much it's ingrained into our culture. That's true, that's true, yeah, it very much is. Yeah, I couldn't, like, Lord of the Rings, Game of Thrones, elves, orcs, and baldy bucks, whatever the <laughs> fuck they are, and I don't give a shit about that. It's, uh... Get well, me... I feel like you're more you're more science fiction than fantasy oriented. I think so. So that that's probably what it is because like the things that you're saying, you don't, you don't give a shit. All are firmly mm-hmm. in fantasy, um, and the things that you like, like Star Wars, there could be the the the, yeah, the sci fantasy argument. But you know, it, it 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 takes place in space. You have laser swords. Mm-hmm. I think it's science fiction. And here's <laughs> the thing, though. Here's the thing. Star Wars, out of all the things that I, I listed. The weakest thing in my book is Star Wars. I would rather watch 700 episodes of Star Trek than... Have you looked behind you? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I have a Star Wars porpoise. Oh, and here's the thing. Star Wars is still good. Mm. <clears throat> but yeah, the whole fantasy element of it... like That's probably what turned you off of it, is exactly. the fantasy element. That, that, exactly. that there is sort of like the magic of the Force, unless you, you know, midichlorians, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, but... So yeah, like there is a, there is a magic element wrapped up in there. So I, I get why that's not. I love see. I, I love fantasy stuff. I enjoy science fiction very much, but fantasy is is pretty much like where I'm where I'm rooted. So, so yeah, I'm looking forward to uh, the obsession continuing for another uh, six weeks, and then it's uh, you know we're all done until nice. the the prequels. So so how about you? What's going on? Me, uh, still still kind of focusing in on work. Uh, I did get that nice raise at work. So, excellent. yeah, I made it. I made it finally. I'm in the union, so now I'm making 16 bucks an Woo-hoo! hour. And honestly, the thing that's got me the most jazz is what we're doing right now. Absolutely. Yeah, this, this... is, yeah, I look forward to this all week. I was thinking about, like, like the, the different things that I wanted to mention, you yeah. know, these past couple days as it crept up. Yeah, this is the thing that has me the the most pumped about making it to the next week Mm -hmm. so thursday night which kind of sucks because now i'm gonna go home i'm gonna go to sleep wake up and have to go to work yeah and just be yelled at but it's i i consider that a temporary thing Mm -hmm. that's what i have to go through to get to where i want to be and i would i'm kind of i've kind of put in real thought into uh, going back to college again. Oh, wow. Um, That's fantastic. Yeah. I want to go for media production up at, uh, up at, um, not UPJ, but, uh, Penn Highlands. Highlands. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would love to do media production and get to a point where I can do this right here, do this for a living. Mm -hmm. Cause if I could do this for a living, I feel like I could be happy. Cause right now I'm doing it for free. Yeah. You know, so 
But I'm sure there's a downside. I'm not saying <laughs> there always is. Yeah. There always is. But you know, like there, I, I think the good would outweigh the bad. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. But yeah, that's what I'm doing. That is what I'm doing. But this has been the Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Um, if you're the Phantom. I would like you to please turn yourself in right now. But first, get your decrepit, leave us five stars on yes. iTunes. Leave a, Get your decrepit ass to a computer. <laughs> Give us a five star. This, this podcast was so good, it made me turn myself in. <laughs> and then go turn yourself in. Yeah, yeah. Right after you leave us the five stars. And if you're not the Phantom Killer, we would like to also invite you to leave us five stars. Please. Yeah. Please do. Please do. You know you want to. We deserve it. Absolutely. And uh, if you have any Lover's Lane stories, feel free to share. You can email us at oldtimeycrimey at gmail.com. You can hit us up on Facebook on the Old Timey Crimey Facebook group or on Twitter. Also, guess what? Old Timey Crimey. Strangely enough, that name wasn't taken. Yeah. <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, it, it rhymes and everything. Come yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. But thank you again for listening. Uh, any suggestions for future episodes, we welcome them. Absolutely, Absolutely yeah. We can't wait to hear uh, your your ideas for what we should cover, what you're interested in. Um, so, yeah, yeah. This has been... This has been uh, last week was a little rough, but we got through it. And, uh, and then this week we managed to uh, pull through without... Christy fought a virus for you. I hope yes. you're all satisfied. The number of coughing breaks that he's going to have to edit out is just astronomical. I'm you just going to no leave idea. them all in. Yeah, just, just <laughs> let people listen to me hacking it up. That one's real. That one was real. I was doing a fake one that triggered a real one. Yes, Oops. absolutely. Enjoy. <laughs> I've been Scott. I've been Christy. Thank you for listening. See ya.